Thanks, Scott Shannon. Thanks to all of you. Glad you are with us. Write down our toll-free number. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. A lot of news we will be covering today. Border news, coronavirus news, the hypocrisy. Yeah, why did Joe and Jill Biden walk into Jimmy Carter and Jocelyn Carter's home? Old people, 96-year-old former president Jimmy Carter, 93-year-old wife, they walk in with their masks on. Then they're taking pictures pretty much on top of each other with the with the the elder couple. I'm assuming they both got vaccinated. What was Joe saying just this week earlier this week? Well, you know, it's a, it's an extra ca- precaution. What's an extra precaution? Thought if you got vaccinated, you're safe. All right, Jill and Joe Biden, we're told, got vaccinated. They made a big deal about it. Vaccination was supposed to bring American life back to normal. Okay, just follow the science. Well, what, what's the science say if you're vaccinated? A lot of folks excited that they can now shed these masks if they've been double vaccinated. Um, are, are you going to be one of these folks now? We're no longer going to see the president of the United States outside with a mask on? Sure. Sure. I mean, but what I'm going to do, though, because the likelihood of my being able to be outside and people not come up to me is not very, very high. So it's like, look, you and I took our masks off when I came in because look at the distance we are. But if we were, in fact, sitting there talking to one another close, I'd have my mask on and I met you'd have a mask, even though we've both been vaccinated. And so it's, it's, it's a small precaution to take that has a profound impact. It's a patriotic responsibility, for God's sake. It's making sure that your wife, your children, your, if, you're, if in, in fact, they haven't been vaccinated. So, what? okay, if you get the vaccination, I thought we were told life goes back to normal. But it's the oddest thing. So he walks into the Carter's home, but he's wearing a mask with Joe Biden. Nobody else is around them. Secret Service is at a distance. And they would make a big show and they're wearing the mask outside and they're all vaccinated. Then they go inside around older people, the most vulnerable to coronavirus. The one thing that the scientists, the experts got right. They didn't get a lot of things right. And March of, of 2020, Fauci, don't wear a mask. Mask is going to do a darn thing for you. Then one mask, then wear two masks. Now get the vaccination and, and life will go back to normal and you're protected. Well, you're not fully protected. You just take extra precautions. Keep wearing masks. I mean, selfishly, I'll be honest. I've learned I don't actually mind wearing the mask outside. When you're a public figure and you wear a mask and a baseball hat and dark glasses, it's not 100 percent. But I get a little more anonymity than I used to have in my life uh, for selfish reasons. I might wear the mask all the time. I don't know. But how dumb is that? What is the point there? Then they leave the Carter's home and they got the mask back on. It's like one big show that they're putting on here. Now, they when when Biden became president, we were, we were given a million doses of the vaccine a day. Well on our way to 100 million doses uh, in 100 days. Donald Trump already put all of that in, in motion. And Joe's bragging about the number of doses that that have gone in people's arms, shots in people's arms. And now vaccination shaming is like real. I, I why, why uh, maybe it's just me. I am very pro science, very pro science. I'm pro vaccinations. I believe in the science of vaccinations. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I'm also not a doctor. And nor do I know the the specific medical conditions 
of everybody that hears my voice. How could I possibly know that? And what I'm telling people to do is be smart. And how do you be? You do your research, learn, read. You can read the clinical trials. You can read the synopsis of the clinical trials. You can learn the differences between the, the, the newer version of vaccinations, Moderna and Pfizer, versus the old-fashioned method, which is Johnson & Johnson. And you can read about the efficacy of, of all three of them. Now, there's certain little nuances that you've got to be aware of. At a point in time, the clinical trials for Moderna and Pfizer were going on. There had been a dip, a pretty significant dip in coronavirus um, cases worldwide. And when Johnson and Johnson had their clinical trials, it was higher. Okay, does that have an impact? Doctors I've read and talked to say, yes, that would have an impact on the final efficacy results. But make your own decision in consultation with your own research and your own doctor and know that it's there. And, and at that point, I believe in medical privacy. You have a right to make your decision privately with your own doctor. Patient client privilege, it's called. Like attorney client privilege. It's pretty unbelievable. I mean, it just looks so stupid. And, you know, if you want to talk about undermining confidence and, and maybe some people that might be on the fence and wary of the, the vaccine, you know, telling people I'm, I'm wearing the mask even after being vaccinated, people are looking at it. Well, if, if you have to wear the mask after, what's the point if life's not going to get back to normal? That's on the left for creating that doubt. That's not conservatives creating that doubt. Uh, we've got a lot of reaction to our interview with Caitlyn Jenner. Um, I am all in for the wall, meaning the border wall. Uh, and on this bid, I'm an outsider. I'm in a race for solutions. And I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, independent. I love this state. I'm a fighter, always have been. And the state's deteriorating. Uh, also, she committed to standing with law enforcement. Very different than the defund effort, like, for example, the LAPD, supported by Kamala Harris. Side note, uh, she also says that that, you know, there, there was just a, a lot of interesting things here. A lot of people made a big deal over the fact that she opposes boys who are trans playing sports on girls teams, saying that it's unfair. Could taken a lot of criticism for those comments. And Gavin Newsom is running his own version of the Green New Deal out in California, which is not going to work out good for California. Number one, they can't afford it. You know, a couple of things, though. Look at coronavirus in California and compare it to Florida. You've got literally twice as many deaths around the same rate. They didn't have the, the draconian shutdowns. Uh, Ron DeSantis never implemented the executive actions like they did in New York and New Jersey and Michigan and Pennsylvania and California forcing nursing homes to take in these elderly patients. And, you know, the one thing that Ron DeSantis did, and I remember the interview well when I when I asked him, it was early on during the pandemic, and he said he's mobilized every state agency in the state of Florida, sort of like an all-hands-on-deck moment. And he said that I'm mobilizing to protect the most vulnerable population that because they have a high percentage of elderly people down in Florida and it worked and they've done that all throughout the pandemic. And then he declared this week, the state of emergency is over. 
And in California, they've been in school. Kids have been in school in Florida now since August. They're still not in school in California, except, well, there are exceptions. Gavin Newsom's kids go to a private school. They've been in school, having in-school learning now for almost the entire time. Restaurants are closed in California, but not for Gavin Newsom, as he's now been caught not once but twice in restaurants when he's telling everybody else that they got to remain closed. And if anyone dared to break that, that rule, they were in deep trouble. Um, the question I'm most asked is about the interview is, is it possible? And there's going to be other people that get in. I think the former mayor of San Diego was getting in. Uh, who was it that ran against Newsom the first time? It was Coxies. I think he's getting in. Um, no, I couldn't get an answer. I tried many times. Rick Rennell had been, his name has been mentioned many times as a possible gubernatorial candidate. Not sure if Rick is planning on getting in at all. But the question is asked, is it possible? The reason it is possible, in my view, it, now, I would say it's a longer shot. I'm not, I'm not going to really give odds, maybe 35 40% chance. Because what's going to happen in California is Gavin Newsom is going to mobilize California's radical base. And that means, and the unions, and the teachers' unions, and everybody in between. And all those unions are going to get all their members to go out to try and keep Gavin Newsom as governor because they've had a great symbiotic relationship for all these years. So, but the question is interesting. The way they do a recall is fascinating because the question is, should Gavin Newsom be recalled? Now, if you vote yes, you go to question two. Now, if Gavin cannot get 50% of the vote plus one, Gavin will be recalled. That is that that is a tough it, again, we're talking about California here, but attainable bar considering the way he's behaved himself, the state of California. Look, 47. If, I mean, these numbers are startling. They're actually shocking. And when you, you, you look at the state of California, a state like California, they're, they're 47th in the country in terms of high unemployment. They have one of the worst employment situations in the country. And in large part, that's on Gavin Newsom's watch and based on his bad decisions. And so um, there, there is this intersection here where people, I think, maybe that would even vote Democratic are going to be open to a, an alternative. So people vote yes, and he doesn't get 50 percent of the vote plus one then or 50 percent, then he will be recalled. And then you will move on to question two of this list of candidates that put their hat in the ring. Who do you want to be the next governor? And whoever wins that runoff, that race is the governor and will finish the term of Gavin Newsom. So it is an easier process in that sense. Um, And it it depends. My... I, I just I don't have faith. I just know the way states like California, New York and others work where you have these powerful unions and institutions and financial backers. I mean, Newsom's not only going to have all the unions, then he's going to have all of big tech and then he's going to have all of Hollywood. And so it's a formidable task. I don't think it's as easy as when. Gray Davis was recalled and Arnold Schwarzenegger then became the governor. 
The idea that they have this process, though, is is pretty fascinating to me. It's like California, one of the few states that has a direct referendum. You know, people get to vote directly on specific issues, but that can be abused also and often is during election seasons. They put, you know, particularly divisive referendums on the ballot the same year that important elections are taking place as a means of of gathering up uh, or energizing the base of one particular party or another. Both sides do it. Uh, all right. Got a lot of ground to cover today. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. I had my one in and out burger. That's it. I was going to bring one home for Linda, but I don't think it would have I don't think it would have held up on the long plane ride home. But um, at New York City public school system has now officially dropped Columbus Day, replaced the annual federal holiday with Italian Heritage and Indigenous Peoples Day which will be celebrated this October. Uh, apparently, battle breaking out between uh, Governor Cuomo and Comrade de Blasio. Uh, we should watch that one. Down in Florida, um, remember we've been telling you the story. McDonald's, where was the McDonald's? Was it in Florida? I forget. Where they're paying people to apply for a job because people aren't applying for jobs because their unemployment the money they're getting from unemployment is so high that it it doesn't make it worth their while. And so there's this job shortage, especially in manufacturing, fast food, restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's not a small thing. It's actually been written about extensively. Uh, Ron DeSantis, if you talk to the average small business owner, they've been telling us and even calling into the program that one obstacle getting their businesses back to pre-pandemic levels is the labor shortage and people making more money staying home, collecting COVID relief, unemployment, et cetera, than they would get if they went back to work or enough that they can just get by. So they're just kind of enjoying a little bit of a breather from the work world. Uh, DeSantis in Florida moved on this today. Floridians who receive unemployment benefits will soon have to show proof that they are job hunting. DeSantis took away the requirement that people on benefits look for work early in the pandemic when unemployment was on the rise few employers were hiring a lot of people were being laid off but DeSantis has now lifted the pandemic era restrictions on businesses and the unemployment rate is lower than the national average I mean we're out in California it's higher there than anywhere I mean all these businesses you got hair salons and restaurants still shut down schools are not open what were you saying Linda you're talking in my ear Look at my text. Okay, I'll text and no texting and driving and talking. Yeah, McDonald's, it was in Florida. Uh, Business Insider had the story. Did paying people 50 bucks just to show up for a job interview? I mean, you could see the thing. Interviews Monday through Friday, 2 p.m., get 50 bucks for just going to do an interview. If you come in for a job interview, the owner of the location, you know, said, that, in fact, told the inside restaurants are scrambling for help and that they've not been able to get workers. And so anyway, but that's so DeSantis is trying to take away that incentive, uh, which makes sense in this. Remember, it was only nine percent of the emergency covid relief bill was for emergency covid relief of two trillion dollars. And all of it was a down payment for the Green New Deal. And the blue state bailout money that now schools are, I'm sorry, states are given in some cases, New York, New Jersey, California, to illegal immigrants. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? All right, so 
Well, we had election problems in Florida, 2000, dimple, pimple, swinging, hanging, perforated chads, et cetera, et cetera. All right, changes were made. 2016, Broward, Palm Beach County, changes were made. Um, from what I can see, and I, I think COVID was used as the massive excuse for mail-in in balloting, which resulted in what we know, fact, statutory language of laws. I know it's not important to liberals. They don't really care about the laws on immigration or the laws uh, on election laws that, for example, provide that partisan observers get to observe the vote count. Nobody can observe anything from 100 feet away or 20 feet away or whatever. So I've, I've just identified and I don't know why this would even be partisan for anybody. Five things that every state needs, from my perspective, to have integrity and confidence in election results going forward. One is partisan observers need to observe, which is part of the, I, you know, I didn't know it until this year. How many states actually have it as, as the law, their language of the law? I think like in Pennsylvania, if the Constitution specifies only very specific reasons for mail-in balloting, it's fine if, if Pennsylvania's legislature wants to overturn their own constitution, but there's a process for that. You just don't get to bypass it. Uh, now that Georgia has their law, which is far more inclusive than, let's say, the state of Delaware, Joe's home state, where he's represented them for 5,482 years, um, where they don't have any, they don't have 17 days of early in-person voting. They don't have any drop boxes, and they require voter ID. So voter ID, signature verification, cleaning up the voter rolls. Uh, I think every election is just common sense, nothing major. Uh, then you add to that partisan observers being able to observe, and then chain of custody so that when ballots come in, that both sides get to monitor that there's no tampering with ballots. It's just simple stuff. Nothing really that complicated. And I think then people, and, and we got to have a process too. I think the way Florida does it, as votes come in, early voting votes come in, mail-in ballots come in, you count them. And then you count them with observers from Republicans, independents, Democrats. Everybody gets to see, okay, that's the vote in this person's corner. That's the vote in that person's corner. Nothing really hard about that. And if you need voter, as long as you need picture ID to buy a pack of cigarettes, although they're going to ban menthol cigarettes. We need, we need the government banning uh, big gulps. And although you can buy two little gulps that equal a big gulp, how stupid is that? You just end up paying more money. Uh, and and jewel pods and menthol cigarettes. And meanwhile, they tax these products, you know, into to death and make a fortune off it. Uh, it. It just makes no sense to me. But if you need, if you need picture ID for all of these things or to get a six pack of beer, if I need, a, if I want to buy a six pack of Perone or Coors Light or Bud Light or Budweiser, whatever it is, I really need a, I need a picture ID. Okay. Anyone looking at me can tell that I'm over the age of 21. Now, Linda, she looks, she, I can see her getting carded. People that work for me, Jason, sorry, you look older than 21. Uh, sweet baby James, you definitely look older than 21. But if you need it for all, if you needed to get into the Democratic National Convention, the White House, the Capitol, why not when you vote? One person, one vote, voter ID, whether you're doing it by mail 
or whether you're doing it in person. And, you know, so I, it, but there's a reason Democrats don't want that. The only reason I can think of is they've got nefarious intentions. Um, there is interesting updates on that. Ron DeSantis signed a new election integrity law today that cracks down on unsolicited mail-in ballots, ballot harvesting, other election changes that Democrats implemented last year due to the COVID pandemic. <clears throat> now, the mob and the media, they're not going to tell you this. Researcher John Lott, no other major industrialized democracy allows unsolicited mail-in voting because the leaders of those countries, they actually agree with the New York Times uh, that it vastly increases the opportunities for voter fraud. Remember, after 2000, we had this election commission, the Baker and whatever commission, and they had pointed out in in their findings that, yeah, mail-in voting, especially unsolicited uh lends itself to greater potential for corruption. We need integrity. We don't want corruption. Uh, anyway, so you enacted that. The election law would be drafted, widespread irregularities, unsubstantiated allegations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I have what we think is the strongest election integrity measures in the country, and they have a lot of mail-in balloting in Florida. The thing about Florida is we knew within hours after the polls closed in the panhandle which stays open an hour later than the rest of the state, voting does, um, within hours we knew the winner. You know, these other states goes on day after day, week after week. Interesting updates in Maricopa County. Officials there are withholding materials that were subpoenaed by the state legislature as part of an audit in the county of Maricopa's 2020 election, claiming that surrendering them could constitute a security risk for both law enforcement and federal agencies. Letters sent from the Maricopa County Attorney's Office to Ken Bennett, former Arizona Secretary of State, liaison between the state Senate and the auditors that the county had elected not to turn over the, the several routers requested by the legislature. Um, why is there so much resistance to... You know, auditing these things. You know, I've I've listened to everyone's argument. Seems smart. Okay, why not? See if you can learn something. I would think everybody wants election integrity, period. But anyway, Arizona Republican Party blasting the Biden administration for their involvement in this audit. Kelly Ward, uh, the chairwoman of the Arizona Republican Party, out in Arizona, blasting the Biden administration for interference. She said this morning in a letter to Biden's assistant attorney general, who had questioned the integrity of the audit. And so there's a big battle out there. Biden's DOJ moved to discredit the audit as Republicans probed this. Why are they so against it? Um, I think it's pretty obvious why. I think we all know why. I don't think it's that hard to figure out. Um, we have an update on some police issues that I want to go over here. And, you know, Ron DeSantis and Christy Nome are two. I think uh, Governor Abbott is three. This came up in the interview with Caitlyn Jenner last night. And he came up with the perfect slogan for the 2022 midterm. He says Republicans want to fund the police and then some. And he went on to say, announced a, a, a round of one-time $1,000 bonuses for first responders. That includes firefighters, law enforcement officers, saying that at the press conference that we're funding the police and then some. And he traveled to Satellite Beach 
Temple Terrace, Fort Myers, to announce the bonuses for around 174,000 first responders across the state, including paramedics, emergency medical technicians, firefighters, and law enforcement officers. And he said some want to defund the police. He said we're funding the police and then some, and that's what we're here today to say. And Christy Nome was on with us earlier this week. She said on, on this program, she goes, yeah, I'm, I'm, all these officers that are leaving their states, like 200 cops decided to bail out of Seattle. They've had enough. Oh, there's a lawsuit by uh, Horace Lorenzo Anderson Sr. And, and the family over the death of his 19-year-old son, Horace Lorenzo Anderson Jr. We had the father on radio and TV a number of times. I'm glad they filed that lawsuit. Not one person had picked up the phone to talk to this family. He died in the summer of love zone, the autonomous zone, the chop zone, the chaz zone, the spaghetti potluck dinner zone. Yeah, he did, so and they, that was the time we heard the, playing the bullhorns. Player, we're here to offer emergency assistance. Please allow us to offer emergency assistance. Why should they have to do that? And they're begging these, these radical anarchists to offer medical assistance to citizens. Because remember, they took over city blocks. And the dopey mayor out there, uh, how long is this going to last? This could be the summer of love. Well, people died in the summer of love zone. That didn't work out well. You know, I don't know. We also have a review board that has reversed the firing of the police officer and that's the case in Atlanta, the Rayshard Brooks case, saying he's been denied any and all due process. Big development down there. And the firing of this former police officer, now charged with murder in the shooting death of Rayshard Brooks, reversed after a review panel found that the city failed to follow their own procedures for disciplinary actions. And uh, the officer fired last June, a day after he shot Rayshard Brooks in the, remember that, confrontation in the parking lot of a fast food restaurant taser was used in that particular case due to the city's failure to comply with several provisions of the code and the information received during witness testimony the board concludes the appellate was not afforded his right to due process i know everybody thinks they could just rush to judgment in these cases it's it is you know, the mayor had put out a statement at the time, given the volatile state of our city and nation last summer, the decision to terminate after he fatally shot Mr. Brooks was the right thing to do. Had immediate action not been taken, I firmly believe the public safety crisis we experienced during that time would have been significantly worse. So they terminated the officer with no due process, not based on law, not based on any protections whatsoever but to prevent unrest that's kind of what the mayor is saying there that's that that goes against the constitutional order presumption of innocence the idea that that people are innocent before proving guilty remember cory bush made the statement last week bernie Kerrick had tweeted this out with a picture it was from Fox 2, I believe, in St. Louis, uh, you know, when they defunded the police out there last week. And it has man shot, two shot, two shot, man shot, man killed, man shot, man killed, man shot, man shot, two shot, man shot, woman shot, woman shot, woman shot, man killed, three shot. That's just in the week since this happened.
How's that working out so far in St. Louis? It's not going to end well. Any of this for anybody. And you're creating an atmosphere of lawlessness. Pointed out the homicide rate in Los Angeles is now skyrocketing through the roof way beyond even that where it was last year. And that was a record setting year. That's uh, my question remains. Who are you going to call? Tell me, because I need to know. You know, we have a prediction. It was on justthenews.com. That's Solomon's website. You know, that quoting an expert uh, about police morale, Brandon Tatum. And he said, why in the world would you go and risk your life life and potentially lose everything for 50,000 bucks a year? Meaning what they often pay police officers between rising temperatures, declining political support for police. I'd add to that outright hostility and violence against police. U.S. cities opening after the long year of covid restrictions. Former police officer Brandon Tatum thinks things are going to get a lot worse in the streets this summer. He gave an interview to Just the News, and he talked about, you know, his forthcoming book, Beaten Black and Blue, being a a black cop in America under siege. we got to get this guy on. I I definitely want to read this book. Yet in New York City, a woman violently attacked in a subway station again. We have more cases now of daytime subway attacks, beatings, and killings than ever before. New York Police Department had to release a sketch of the Central Park robbery suspect. You know, you've got uh, one prominent American, Andrea Castamides, tweeting about gunpoint robbery in Central Park because police aren't policing. They cut a billion dollars out of the police budget. And and now, again, one of the things they want to do is they want to remove all indemnification for police. That would mean there'd be no legal protection available for them if they are sued or if if an incident happens. Well, okay, every single criminal, every time they're arrested, is going to sue the cop knowing that they're going to bankrupt every cop and no one will be a cop. Probably on top of stupid, probably the dumbest idea that I've ever heard. All right, 800-941-SEAN. By the way, as far as this Liz Cheney facing off with the GOP leadership, I'm I'm getting a little tired of this because Liz Cheney's making it all about her agenda. Liz, it's not all about you. It's about if you want to be in the leadership and you want to lead a group of people and you're at odds with that group of people on the direction of the party, you're not in a position to lead. You know, you're pursuing your own agenda, which is fine. We live in America. Feel free. Go pursue your own agenda. You're getting a lot of praise from the media and top Democrats coming to your defense. You should be very happy. And you're able to go to the Washington Post to get your point of view out. Keep going. But the removal is conference chair, you know, has nothing to do with anything other is that you are at odds with your caucus on significant numbers of issues. How do you represent people you're at odds with all the time? You clearly have another agenda. It's that simple. I believe in freedom. And you can go your own course, and I wish you luck. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, 
So a lot has been made, a lot of news has been made regarding the CIA recruitment video slamming, being slammed as woke propaganda featuring an an intersectional, I I, I don't even know how to say, I, I don't even understand the new terms that are being used. Anyway, it's being panned widely by critics who say it's woke propaganda gone too far. It was posted on Twitter on Wednesday, features a 36-year-old officer who ticked off a series of left-wing buzzwords before boasting that, well, she can wax eloquent on complex legal issues while staying true to her Hispanic roots. I am a woman of color. I am a mom, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I I have generalized diagnosed anxiety disorder. And anyway, a lot of string music playing in the background. I'm intersectional, but my existence is not a box checking exercise. I did not sneak into the CIA, uh, the agent who says she suffered from imposter syndrome. My employment was not and is not of a fluke or a slip through the cracks. I'm educated. I'm qualified. I'm competent. Well, let's play some of this ad. I'm a woman of color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I am intersectional, but my existence is not a box-checking exercise. I am a walking declaration, a woman whose inflection does not rise at the end of her sentences, suggesting that a question has been asked. I did not sneak into CIA. My employment was not and is not the result of a fluke or slip through the cracks. I earned my way in, and I earned my way up the ranks of this organization. I am educated, qualified, and competent, and sometimes I struggle. I struggle feeling like I could do more, be more to my two sons, and I struggle leaving the office when I feel there's so much more to do. I used to struggle with imposter syndrome, but at 36, I refuse to internalize misguided patriarchal ideas of what a woman can or should be. I am tired of feeling like I'm supposed to apologize for the space I occupy rather than intoxicate people with my effort, my brilliance. I am proud of me. Full stop. All right. So that's the ad. And it's gotten a lot of criticism. Scott Eulinger is back with us. Retired CIA ops officer, uh, Russian uh, intel uh, operations expert, sailed for six uh, years in the Merchant Marines. Uh, Kieran Skinner is with us, former Uh, Director of Policy Planning at the U.S. Department of State and the Trump administration, also uh, considering a run for the Senate in Pennsylvania. Uh, Welcome both of you to the program. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Scott, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just in a, a different space in as much as I don't care what your background is. If you have the qualifications and you have the desire to be a CIA operative, which is a very dangerous job, that should stand on its own merit. What, what is the purpose of the recruitment video here? Is it I, because good people are always hard to find? And I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that having to ask people um, how they feel on social issues should be any job qualification for anybody. Can you do this job? Will you do this job to the best of your ability? Because this usually ends up being a dangerous job working in the CIA. That, that's absolutely correct, John. I mean, while, you know, most of maybe 5% of the CIA actually consists of, you know, field officers operating overseas, such as I did for a career, um, 
jobs at the CIA can be very, you know, demanding in terms of time and time pressure and all sorts of things. But um, it, I think it's very discouraging, this ad, because it shows that they don't seem to be interested. They don't seem to be interested in finding the brightest and the best so much. They seem to be appealing to certain demographics. You know, it just gives the impression that the CIA nowadays is being run like a graduate course in critical race theory. It was ironic that they spoke about, you know, she spoke about being a woman as if, you know, the CIA, in fact, was not a pioneer of including women in into the CIA because in, diversity is, is used to mean at the CIA um, something very important. The CIA sought a diverse workforce because our targets were diverse. We needed people with skills and languages, for example. And if that was a female or some of the other different ethnicity, that didn't matter. The CIA wanted those people because they were the most effective at those jobs. And so even in the 60s, the CIA was kind of a pioneer with this. But now diversity, quote unquote, is being used as a tool to advance a leftist political agenda. And I think no, that's you, very you, you, you point out something here that's really that that women have played a critical role. And by the way, these are some of the most dangerous situations that that CIA operatives are put in. And that is, is that they're dealing with bad actors on the world stage and they are playing a role. And if they are discovered or uncovered in some way in a covert operation, their lives are in immediate jeopardy. And and the same with people that would have the ability to to speak foreign languages. Similarly, that that would put them on the front lines in all likelihood, or there'd be a greater likelihood they'd be on the front lines in dealing directly with bad actors in a in a dangerous world. Kiran, your thoughts? Um, thank you, Sean. I am deeply concerned about this video as a professor. I've been at Carnegie Mellon for 22 years as an African-American, as a woman, um, as someone who is in the national security community, has worked with the intelligence community for a couple of decades, both at DOD and at the National Security Agency. Um, I found it shocking and demoralizing because it suggests that to be inclusive, you have to be woke. We do want more women. We want more people of color involved in um, the CIA working in critical roles. We know that the agency has less uh, less of a diverse workforce than other parts of the federal um, government. However, this is not the way to do it. Um, you want the best, as you've said, and you want the brightest. And you don't want people in particular going into the intelligence community on the basis of identity politics, because that could influence the kind of analytical work that they do. Um, they could decide that an adversary nation, for example, um, that they have a lot in common with it, that they like what that regime is saying, and that it could influence their, their writing and their research. This is not a way to recruit the new class of officers for the CIA, and it's just really insulting. I have sent numerous students to the intelligence community throughout the decades, and it was always on the basis of their analytical writing, thinking, and reasoning ability. Nothing to do with intersectionality. You know, it's it's just amazing to me because this gets to the heart of so much here. Um, I don't know... I- I can't really think of a profession that needs more diversity than the CIA, as you were mentioning, Scott. And it's not just diversity. What is the difference between 
advancing diversity and inclusiveness versus, you know, this other layer of being woke? Well, I think the other the other layer about being woke, I think, can be quite alarming because I think that there's a distinctly sort of anti-American tone to that. And so what's happening is, as the CIA is going out trying to recruit people, our enemies are watching these videos at the same time. So when the CIA is virtue signaling about hiring an intersectional cisgender millennial with generalized anxiety disorder, our enemies are plotting to take advantage of this at every turn. Yeah, well, that's a big point. Absolutely. I think it suggests a kind of American weakness that we don't want to project internally or to the outside world. And that's what it is in effect, has done. Um, And it's also dumbed down the requirements to get into the agency um, by saying who you are, however you are, that's all the requirement that's needed. There was just no discussion about the serious analytical work uh, with human intelligence and signals intelligence that is done throughout the IC. Nothing of the sort was mentioned. No, nothing... Um, a right, quick break. More with Scott Eulinger on the other side and also Kieran Skinner. Hey, I've been telling you about my new Hustler Turf lawnmower. Look, my, my friends at Hustler Turf, Adam, Chad, third generation family members, they have been leading the way with zero turn mowers now uh, for generations. And they make by far the best mower on the market today, just as the best. And they manufacture the single best zero turn mower. I own the new Raptor, newly designed for 2021, top of the line. Uh, They have residential equipment, equipment for professional landscapers, commercial equipment. I mean, for the professional landscapers, their version of the Raptor can literally cut a football field and both the end zones in eight minutes. That's how fast these machines move. I mean, they haul. And, you know, some might be intimidated by the fact that there's not a steering wheel. No, it's it's actually easier than a steering wheel. And it takes you about 30 seconds to learn how to ride it. It's not hard at all, I promise. And it feels like you're a kid again riding a, a motorbike or a minibike or a motorcycle. Anyway, even my professional landscaper, 40 years experience, saw these mowers was blown away. And they're adding two to their fleet. And Linda has her mower, except mine's bigger and better. And uh, anyway, it's time for you to get your hustler with lawn mowing season upon us. Whether you're a professional, residential homeowner, nobody makes a mower like Hustler. Now, to find the dealer near you, just go to HustlerTurf.com. And then I want you to compare to similarly priced, comparable models because there's no comparison. You'll notice it immediately. That's how dramatic the difference is. Get the Hustler difference Find your local dealer at hustleaturf.com. At 9 p.m., do you know where your president is? I don't know. Yep, he's sound asleep in his bed with not a care in the world. Must be nice, Joe. The rest of us will keep working. You're on the Sean Hannity Show. As we continue, Scott Eulinger is with us, retired CIA ops officer, Russian intel ops expert, and Kieran Skinner, former director of policy planning, Department of State, Trump administration. 
tell me about what's going on in Pennsylvania, because uh, there are a lot of candidates now beginning to emerge as potential replacements to Pat Toomey. And Kieran, you're now contemplating such a move. Um, I am. So I am a Bay Area person. I grew up um, not far from Stanford University. I'm a Hoover Fellow. Um, but for the past 22 years, I have lived, voted, paid taxes in Pennsylvania, a state I have come to love. Um, southwestern Pennsylvania, I think, is much more part of the future of the state than many believe. And many people there are comprising what is now a kind of red wave in that part of the state. I would like to represent everyone if I finally decide to run. Um, I've served in many presidential campaigns, Newt Gingrich in 2012. I was the lead foreign policy surrogate in 2004 for Bush Romney. Um, and, and, and in the Trump administration, the, um, the 2016 campaign and the transition team. But I haven't run um, before. I'm thinking about it because I think the Republican Party is ready for someone with my background. I relate to people in all parts of our state across uh, socioeconomic differences, and um, and I've served at, in the Trump revolution. I've gone and I've seen and I understand that there's a lot of work to do um, in our in our in our camp. And so, I am one of those who may throw my hat in the ring. Some have already. Um, I'm still thinking it through, and the way I'm thinking it through is by going from hamlet to hamlet, county to county, talking to um, my fellow citizens and trying to understand what matters to them. You know, it's 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 interesting, and I think you know Kathy Barnett as well, and she's thinking about uh, a potential run in your state of Pennsylvania. Uh, Herschel Walker's name keeps coming up in the state of Georgia. We all watch the reaction, the horrific names that that were thrown at. Uh, Senator Tim Scott, he's a friend of this program, uh, Scott, and and he goes out, he gives a great speech. Frankly, I think it it overshadowed uh, Biden's speech by a long shot. And for whatever reason, this this great threat among liberal Democrats that more and more African-Americans are leaving the Democratic Party. I mean, the record low unemployment Every record shattered was done by Donald Trump, not by Biden, not by Obama, not by any other Democrat. And it was Donald Trump's policies that created that economic environment where everybody, you know, had the the rungs of the ladder put back in so we could all climb to success equally. And I'd like to see that continue. And I'd also like to see if if Democrats want to be the party of coastal elites in California, L.A., San Francisco, D.C. and New York. That's fine with me and the rest of the country. Um, I'd like to see the Republican Party be the party of working men and women and minorities in America. And I think if you take away the pandemic, uh, I I think it would have been a record numbers of minorities in America voting for Donald Trump for a second term. Um, I agree with you absolutely, Sean. And, you know, for most of my life, I was a Democrat. I come from parents who were civil rights activists in the 1960s and the 1970s. As Ronald Reagan said, um, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. It left me. I still hold the values that my parents held in, in, um, in, in mid-century, but they were always pro-American, and they always believed in the promise of the United States. And my father used the GI Bill to not only um, make sure that our family got into the middle class, but stayed there. So I owe a great debt to this nation. And even though African Americans are being um, maligned and derided um, for standing up 
um, for conservative principles, I'm prepared to do so. I saw what happened to Senator Tim Scott the other day. It was horrific, the response. But you know what's important about um, his remarks? He showed that underneath all the noise, He's beginning to help unify our nation around some core principles, and that is a threat to the progressive movement. I hope he continues. What are your thoughts on this, Scott? Well, as a, as a Pennsylvanian who previously ran for uh, Congress unsuccessfully a couple of years ago, I applaud um, I applaud the initiative of any um, you know America firster who's willing to jump into um, what is often you know the swamp of Pennsylvania politics. So um, I'm a personal friend of Kathy Barnett, and I applaud my colleagues. Uh, possibly, you know, throwing her hat into the ring as well. We need to see, you know, people who reflect the values of, of working Pennsylvanians. And, uh, you know, these people are, you know, people who supported the uh, Trump administration are stepping in the right direction. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of things changing. I want to thank you both for being with us. Uh, Scott Eulinger, thank you. Uh, Kieran Skinner, um, we're going to watch Pennsylvania very closely. And I'd love to see, you know, it would be phenomenal to have uh, add Herschel Walker to the Republican Party. I think he'd win that Senate seat. And I think uh, there's a lot of great candidates. If you jump in in Pennsylvania, that the people of Pennsylvania will have to choose from. And we wish you luck and we'll, we'll follow that race very closely. Um, thank you, Sean. And I hope to keep talking. Um, I love your program. You're adding a lot of value to the national dialogue. Well, we appreciate you being with us. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, let's go to California. Did a quick turnaround trip. Only one in and out burger, but one was enough. Double-double, lettuce wrap, amazing. Jessica, how are you? Glad you called. All we can do is pray that Gavin does get replaced, and by hopefully a conservative. Um, unfortunately, I feel like the cheating when it comes to elections here is insane. I have, I mean, I know a lot of Democrats here in the state, but I know way more Republicans. Most, most of the people that I know here in the state are Republican and conservative, um, Trump supporters. You'd be surprised how much of a support system there is out here for him. But, you know, unfortunately for us, we're outweighed by cheating in LA and San Francisco areas. Well, it was interesting to me that I think they got, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think they got about 2.1 million signatures and rejected about a half a million of them. Yeah. And they still uh, had enough like to that. continue with the recall. The interesting part about the recall is if Gavin Newsom gets one vote less than 50 percent, he's recalled and then there will be another governor. That's how the system works. Yes. Yes. And it's just um, a matter of who it's going to be because it usually is a long list on the ballot. So um, hopefully it's someone conservative. I know Caitlin's running. I'm my jury's still out on her. Um, there's a few other really good candidates that I think are going to run like the former mayor of San Diego, but as a mom and I work full time, it's, you know, we, my husband and I, we make good money. We can't afford to buy a home here. We can't, I mean, we were looking to move out because, of how this state is going down. I mean, my kids, my oldest is going to be starting school next year. And we're looking at if we stay here, she's either going to be homeschooled or in private school. Cause there's no way I'm sending her to public school here in California with the industry. Well, it all gets very expensive though. Cause on top of the state income tax, the 50 cents a gallon gas tax uh, you got out there, 
high sale, uh, you know, all the other income, all the other taxes, income taxes, sale taxes, property taxes, you name mm-hmm. it. I mean, it all begins to add up. And then on top of the tax hikes coming from Joe and Kamala, it's only going to get worse. And you, yeah. people are keeping less and less of what they earn. And it's all designed as part of this redistribution effort, the Green New Deal socialism. And that's what it is. That's where all these monies are going to. Exactly. And we're, we're I mean, we're middle class. It's not like we're rich. And we, we are the ones that are hurt the most. You know, so it's unfortunate. I mean, you can't raise a family out here unless you make at least $200,000 a year. And even then, you're still living paycheck to paycheck out here. Yeah, you know, I I know it sounds like a ton of money for people in other parts (laughs) of the country. Out there, it is not. It's like New York. It's it's not as it doesn't go anywhere near as far as what you think. And so it it becomes problematic for pretty much everybody. Um, You know, when you look at what Gavin Newsom, this, this was as I was doing my research for this interview, what really stood out to me is just how radical Gavin Newsom is and what Gavin Newsom is. You know, what he has now laid out is is nothing short of the Green New Deal, except paid for, built in and paid for by by Californians. And and there's exactly. a lot. I'm sorry. What? Exactly. It's exactly what it is. Unfortunate. And, and yeah, and I mean, for all these illegals. I mean, my uncle retired from Border Patrol about a, almost two years ago now. And, you know, they've asked him to come back a few times, but he won't go back. I don't blame him. Um you know, but I'm glad he retired from Border Patrol, especially given the climate here in California currently. So, yeah, it it, it will be interesting to see where this comes down. I, I think the challenge is going to be because you're right. I think the Democrats are going to go all in for Newsom and Newsom is going to try and survive and get 50 percent of the vote. And if there's not voter integrity, which I'm, I'm not up to speed because I really don't pay attention to California because. While it used to be a state that a Republican presidential candidate or a Republican senatorial candidate can compete in, those days are gone. And and unfortunately, with all the people leaving the state, you have one point three million people leaving. You you now have a have lost a, a congressional seat as part of things. It's the first time in 170 years. So the state is in a, in a precipitous decline. Now the question is going to be, did the people that leave, are they the people that would be more likely to vote to institutionalize new changes and turn California around in the other direction? And my guess is that it's an uphill battle. Is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. Now, if the first question is answered and 51% of Cal or 50.1% of Californians vote to recall Gavin Newsom. The second question you'd answer on that ballot is who do you want to be the next governor? And whoever wins, well, uh, will be the next governor, but you're going to probably have a lot of people on that list running. Right. And the hope is that we get someone who's a true conservative, not a rhino or someone who's going to still continue to push the same liberal agenda that Newsom has been pushing. So, yeah, um, well, that's going to be the challenge. And, you know, as far as as I mean, there was one election in Los Angeles where they had like 120 percent of registered voters voted. I mean, you tell me how that that happens. <laughs> um, yeah, that doesn't so. happen in real life. There's something called real math, and that would not fit into the real math category in life. Exactly. And that happened um, just a few years ago. I don't remember if it was the 2016 presidential race or if it was the midterm, but it did happen in L.A. So, I mean, it's when I say the voter fraud out here 
I mean, they've been perfecting their fraud out here for years. It's nothing new, you know, but it makes it Listen, but my and- fear is is that exactly what's happened in California can happen to America. Right. That's my fear. And we're not far away cuz think about it this way. For and and I appreciate the call by the way. Thank you for checking in with us. Uh 800-941-SHAWN is our number. And if if the new green deal if, if California policies that's what Democrats want to adopt nationally. Now, for a Republican to win the presidency, and I talked about this a lot in 2016 and a lot in 2020, and I've talked about it every presidential election year, you've got to thread the needle. You've got to win Florida, win Ohio. Those are two must-win states. But now you also have to win Georgia, North Carolina, and those states are getting harder to win. So, so that makes it more difficult. Then you've got a, a pick off of Pennsylvania or Wisconsin or Michigan or some combination thereof. Look to Arizona, look to Nevada, look to New Hampshire, and you've got to run the table. It's not easy to run the table. So it's, it's getting very, very hard. And you see people leaving these big blue states and going to states like Florida and Texas and the Carolinas and Tennessee, et cetera. All right. Are you bringing your dumb policies with you? I hope not. Uh, Brad is in Washington. Hey, Brad, how are you? Hey, Sean. What's going on? I love your show. Thank you. I love your show, but I would also love for you or, or one of your cohorts to write a conservative credo. I know the great one has like a 250 page volume on it. But I hear all about what the other side is doing, and I hear very little about how we want it to be in the future. And I feel like they drive our conversation all the time. Listen, we've been ahead of the curve on this for many, many years. We had our Conservative Solutions Caucus. We we did that in in 2014. And a solutions-based, live free or die. Well, I'm, you know, I, there's only so much I can do. Uh, you know, I get accused of being repetitive, and, and sometimes I am, and it's by design, because I, especially in election years, I want everybody to be able to rattle off everything that we know on this program um, to their friends and their neighbors and, and their coworkers so that the word gets out beyond just the show. And then we, we did Live Free or Die, which, you know, was a, a heavy lift for me. But I wanted to do it because I said America and the world on the brink. I wasn't wrong. It's even worse than I thought it could possibly be. And it's really now a matter of very simple logic. The, the conservative agenda, solutions-oriented agenda, is simple. We believe in liberty and freedom, capitalism, and our Constitution. Now, th- this is not complicated and that, and to be a conservative. We believe we we believe in law and order and safety and security in every town and every city. We believe in free market solutions for health care. And yes, we'll protect pre-existing conditions. We believe in choice in school. We believe in lower taxes, less government bureaucracy so we can allow businesses to grow and to thrive. We want uh, legal immigration and secure borders. Uh, we want, uh, let's see, energy independence, free and fair trade, peace through strength, um, and constitutionalists on the bench. Tell me what I'm missing. You're missing the why. Those are the whats, and that's fantastic. But let's take the border, for example. Okay. The reason we want the border secure is not because we um, have some kind of prejudice against the poor people coming up from the South. The fact is that we are sympathetic to them. 
and we don't want them to become victims of human traffickers. Right now, the cartels control the border. Look, I, I so mean, I think a lot of this... We let... Well, we, we want secure borders because we believe in law and order. We believe, you know, if you want to break down my I, I love the president's stay in Mexico policy. You need a wall. Ninety uh, percent of fentanyl and heroin that comes into this country enters through the southern border. Human trafficking, drug trafficking is real. We've, we've chronicled all of that. Um, so I think a lot of this is basic common sense. You got to be a nation of laws. And if people want to come here, they've got to respect our laws, our borders, our sovereignty. If you want to come here, I think we need a background check to see if you have radical associations. Uh, if you want to come here, I think in a pandemic, you need a health check. And I think you need to show that you will have the means of providing for yourself and not relying on the American people uh, to pay for services for you because it is bankrupting this country. So, okay, there's the, the whys, there's the explanation behind it. I, I think energy independence is clear. The, the reason you want to be energy independent is it's good for national security. It creates career uh, jobs in the energy sector that are high paying, um, and it drives down the cost of the lifeblood of the world's economy. That's good for everybody. I mean, I can go through every other issue if you want, but I, I, this audience is pretty sophisticated and smart, and I think they understand it. We already have this audience, Sean. We need to well, reach out to the people that we don't have. And the people we don't have don't hear the why, and they don't hear the what. They just hear that, what, that, that the Republicans you, you and the sound very defensive. are a, oh, no, are no, a no, bunch no. of we, we don't want the We don't want the border wall because I know we're not a racist. I, I, I don't even feel a need to answer that question because I don't care where you come from. But I think we, we have to be a nation of laws. We ask that you do it legally. We ask that you have a background check. We ask that you have a health check. We, you need to be able to show and, us that you'll provide for yourself. It's not that complicated. Short of that, I don't care where you come from. Once, you know, if you come into the country, welcome to, welcome to the United States. That's my attitude. Thank you, Sean. All right. It's got to be legal. All right, back to our busy phones. Uh, back out to California and Frank. Frank, you're next on the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, Sean. Um, you know, just distilling it down to its most basic, it's this. And that's why I was listening to you and Linda yesterday. You were talking about love California, hate California, because that's kind of I have this love-hate relationship with this place. Been here 30 years from the East Coast. And there's uber wealth, uber beauty, great great things to do. And the other side of it is there's homeless encampments literally right outside my door. So what do you do with that? I see it as people are finally going to be fed up and we'll know whether we do get rid of Gavin Newsom. Cause I got to tell you something, it's 50, 50 that he'll go because there's very rich, powerful people that want to keep him in power. And the media also is going to jump on board and tell us how wonderful this guy is. And then the third thing is, People just, they, they see a D, they vote for the D. They're not going to vote for an R in this state. It's the same thing in uh, New York State, too, with you guys. So I, we're in that same boat, I believe. Listen, I don't disagree. The media mob is going to go all in to save Gavin. But it is winnable. There is a way to, if the people of California have had enough, they now have a chance to change it. I hope they do. I think it would be good for the state. Quick break, right back. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right, news roundup and information overload hour. If you want to be a part of the program, we'll get to more of your calls. Final half hour of the program today, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to join us. 
You know, it was interesting. I did, did not know Disneyland or Disney World in Florida opened, what, eight months, nine months ago? Kids in school in Florida, they've, they've been there the entire year since August. There's a lot of now backlash from parents. They've had it. They keep saying, listen to the science, listen to the science, listen to the science, but they're not listening to the science. And even Fauci is looking at these draconian rules for kids this summer at summer camp, and they've got to have masks on and social distancing. Okay, but the parents have all had access to the vaccination, and most of them have taken advantage of it. Anyway, and a lot of this is fueled by the teachers' unions that, that they don't seem to ever want to go back in the classroom. Um, and it's getting worse and worse. Anyway, our friend, uh, investigator reporter Luke Rosiak and Leo Terrell are going to join us in a second to discuss the impact of these school closings on kids, their overall well-being. And, you know, it was the weirdest moment this week when we saw Joe and Jill Biden with Jimmy and Jocelyn Carter. Jimmy Carter's 96 years old and his wife is 93 years old. And they take this picture inside the Carter's home. They don't have their mask on. And I thought we were supposed to protect the elderly in the middle of a pandemic. And Joe lectures us constantly about wearing masks. And the oddest part of that is when Joe and Jill Biden walked into the home, they had their masks on. When they took the picture, when they were standing right on top of them, they had their masks off. And when they walked outside again, they had their masks on again. It's not making any sense. You might remember this case of Alyssa Pirro, California teacher, telling a student they don't need a white student union. They get everything. We're going to get to that, too, here. But the Biden administration has, has asked parents and families to trust the guidance of the CDC. But I thought they told us that we would all be OK and life would return to normal. Apparently not. Luke Rosiak, thanks for being with us. Leo 2.0 Terrell. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, Sean. Glad to be here. All right. So, Luke, let's get into some of your reporting and a group of calling itself the Nat- National Parents Union said that they've asked parents, the Biden administration and families to trust the guidance of the CDC. But now when it comes to school reopening guidance, the recommendations from the CDC are tainted by outside influence, including teachers unions who have no expertise, quote, in science or public health, allowing outside groups to influence the CDC's decision making shows that now this whole process has been politicized. Your, uh, your reaction? Yeah, and I love that name, the Parents' Union, because that, that really hits the nail on the head. I mean, for going back decades, we've had the teachers' unions, and the National Education Association is the largest labor union in the country. And then parents, we're just regular people. We're busy. You know, your kid comes home from school. How was school? Oh, it was fine. You never really know what's going on. A lot of people aren't that, you know, involved. And the teachers run these places as basically employment centers for themselves. It's, it's not about kids. And so parents are apoplectic. I mean, we've reached a point in this country where I don't think we're ever going to forget what they did to our kids in the last year, um, because it really highlighted the issues that have always been present in the schools, the way that they're run by radical ideologues and entrenched big money interest groups for their own benefit without really caring what parents want. And what was fascinating is within days of Biden assuming the presidency, the complete politicization of this science agency, the CDC, where February 3rd, the director, Rochelle Walensky, said there's increasing data to suggest that schools can can safely reopen now and teachers don't need to be vaccinated. Um, And the White House tries to dial, walk that back and say, oh, that was just the CDC director speaking in her personal capacity. 
And so nine days later, on February 12th, they released this guidance that all the schools use for whether they can open or not. And so they opened the conference with Walensky saying, yeah, you know, the science shows that schools opened actually lowers coronavirus because the kids are in a controlled environment, not out doing who knows what. And teachers are actually at less risk of getting coronavirus than people in other jobs. So she opens the press conference correctly summarizing the science, saying schools can open, there's no reason to keep them closed. And then she unveils the actual guidance, which is more restrictive, and it actually shuts down schools that have been open without incidents all year long. And so this isn't science at all. And as you said, these are people that are saying you've got to trust the science. Uh, you know, how can we trust anything they say anymore? Uh, and so hovering over Walensky at this conference, uh, press conference, was a woman named Donna Harris Akins, who's a longtime top NEA union official who Biden appointed senior policy advisor for the Department of Education. So it's kind of self-evident, you know, even when she's unveiling this nonsensical guidance that shuts down schools and basically causes moms to have to leave the workforce to watch their kids and sends family routines into disarray. Uh, it's self-evident what's going on. It's the teachers' union's influence. And, and Walensky actually addresses it at the time. It says, I promise there was no political meddling in this. This is science. And that appears to be a lie because... The New York Post obtained evidence showing, they obtained emails showing that in between those two dates, when Walensky reversed her position, the teachers' unions, such as Randy Weingarten, who makes $500,000 a year as head of the American Federations of Teachers, uh, were lobbying the CDC and wrote suggested guidance for coronavirus policies that the CDC adopted verbatim. So this is a major story. Can you imagine if something happened like this under Trump, where the you know an important nonpartisan agency is politicized? Um, parents are affected by this so much more than really any other political story. And um, you know the kind of media and the political class have chosen their side, and it's not really the side of the the parents and the children. ABC, CBS, and NBC haven't even covered this story. It's a great point, Leo. Two point oh, Terrell. There's irrefutable evidence to me that, in fact, yeah, the science is not guiding these decisions, but these are all made on political considerations. Oh, if, if you're stating the obvious, Sean, let's be very clear. Education is the key to break the poverty cycle. The teacher unions and the Democratic Party do not care about that, especially in Democratic cities and throughout the city and the country throughout. Let's be clear. While these public schools are being shut down, private schools, religious schools, and charter schools are open. So, I mean, the American public can see the hypocrisy and the politicization of the union and its impact on the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has received millions of dollars. I think it's over $20 million. I might be understating it. It might be $40 million of money from the teachers' union. And the teachers' union controls the Democratic Party, especially in big cities. And they do not want to go back to school. Uh, just a couple of days, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think on MSNBC, uh, they asked President Biden, will schools all be open in September? He said, probably, because they see the whole mask pandemic issue as a form of control and power. The hypocrisy is that the American public see beyond this. And I'll tell you right now, the Democratic days, Sean, are numbered up until 2022 when there is going to be a tsunami in Congress, and the, both the House and the Senate are going to go red. But the problem here is this. You're talking about losing two years, two years of education at some of the most tender, important ages of a child's life. 
from K to 12, and that's going to be lost forever, and you cannot make that up. And I'll tell you right now, being a former school teacher who still has my license, it is a crime that the teacher union has placed their personal interests over the interests of school children who are our future in this country. I think that's extraordinarily well said. I think the biggest, you know, the most glaring hypocrisy in all of this, and and it also fits into the situation that was unfolding this week with Jimmy Carter and, and his wife and Jill and Joe Biden. What was the point, Luke Rosiak, of wearing the mask outside, socially distant, fully vaccinated, Joe and Jill Biden walking in with masks on into the car Carter's home, uh, taking them off for pictures at with no social distancing right on top of each other and then putting the mask on when they go back outside and nobody else is around them. What's the point of that? There's no rhyme or reason to any of it, including what the CDC is doing. I mean, they came out with guidance this week about summer camps where they've got kids wearing masks outside in 90-degree heat in July. And socially distant, don't forget. Exercising, they have a lack of oxygen, they're going to be passing out. And the point of this, really, it raises the specter of, are we going to open schools next year, as you indicated? I mean, Joe Biden won't even say yes. And the point of this school closures was the $128 billion that the teachers got in the coronavirus bailout. Now, students don't really get coronavirus. Teachers are at less risk than other professions, and they use this first to put themselves at the head of the line to get vaccines. So they're getting vaccines during the period reserved for the elderly. So if a teacher takes a vaccine, an elderly person may die. Think about what has to be, think about the mentality that that entails, that you would take a vaccine from an elderly person. And then even after they get the vaccines, they indicate we may not come back. And at the end of the day, the quote science was that if you give us $128 billion, which has nothing to do with the coronavirus because it doesn't have to be spent until the year 2028, then it'll be safe. So this idea that they've, well, you've got to trust the science, and I'll just call up this guy named Science, and he'll tell me what it is. I mean, there's no such thing as trust the science, but especially now when they're politicizing all of these agencies and behaving in ways that are uh, totally irrational. Um, the idea that you would get a vaccine and then refuse to come back to work when children are suffering, it, it's child abuse. I was, and uh, I always, uh, and you can see what's happening in New York. They, they kind of have their own little version of this passport, Leo. You're a civil rights attorney. I don't know. Maybe I'm just one of the few people that believes in medical privacy. And to me, you know, everyone's lecturing everybody else on what they need to do medically here. I think the public does need to be informed. And as the pandemic, you know, as we learned more and more as time went on, we went from Fauci in March of 2020 telling us we don't need masks. Masks aren't going to do a damn thing to, to one mask and later two masks and all the projections of all the experts were wrong. They got a couple of things right, and that is that the elderly were the most susceptible from the very beginning. That remained constant. Uh, we were right that the, the science, uh, in terms of vaccines, once they broke down the sequence in the, of the virus in record time, we knew that, that we could probably with the greatest minds in the world, put together a vaccine, and then people can get informed about that. Uh, everybody now has access to the coronavirus vaccination if they want it, Leo. And at that point, yeah. you know, I don't feel comfortable as a radio talk show host telling people, as so many are urging me to tell people uh, to get the vaccine. I am urging people to be very considerate of older people, people with comorbidities, pre-existing conditions, 
uh, compromised immune systems, grandma, grandpa, mom, and dad. Um, But my understanding was that everybody has the option. They're told, they told us that you could protect yourself and will be protected if you get the vaccine. But now we're told that you got to wear the mask even after you get the vaccine and you still need to socially distance. Uh, Sounds to me, I mean, on, on one level, it sounds like they don't even have confidence in the science that they're telling us is behind the push to tell everybody what to do. I, I would urge everyone to do their own research, consult with their doctor or doctors or medical professionals they trust based on their individual medical condition, make the right decision for them. I, I don't think Dr. Hannity is in the position to be given that advice. I agree with you, Sean, 100%, but let's lay it out very clearly. First of all, Fauci is an agent for the Democratic Party. He has zero credibility. He flip-flops back and forth. The Democrats see the mask as a form of power. We're talking about Joe Biden and Jill wearing a mask outside the house. What about the stupid picture of Kamala Harris and her husband, both vaccinated, and they're kissing each other with their mask on? That's totally ridiculous and uh, insults the intelligence of the American public. But when it comes down to the choice of, uh, of getting the vaccine, it's an individual choice. And let's just me mention just one particular state. The perfect state in this country, Florida, the perfect governor, Governor DeSantis, who has basically looked at the science. The state has been open for months. Unlike California, where I live at, where a state is being subject to a recall of the governor, it is a form that the Democrats are going to try to drain this out as long as they can to send messages to the public because they apparently poll well on the issue of the mask, and they want control. The mask is a form of centralized government control, and the Democrats have a problem letting that go because the science says we're good if you're vaccinated. We're good that we're, if we get herd immunity. We're good if we social distance. But the Democrats want that mask to continue, and it's going to continue, Sean, probably to the end of this year, but respect, thank goodness 2022 elections coming up. It'd be like asking Dr. Leo 2.0 Terrell. Dr. Leo, what do you think people should do with uh, as it relates to the to virus? Do you have an answer? What would your answer be? My answer would be very simple. Individual choice. That's what makes this country great. I don't want some bureaucrat in Washington, someone from the CDC or Fauci telling me what to do. I want to make an individual choice based on an informed decision. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you both for being with us. Luke, uh, long time no here. Good to hear from you. Leo 2.0 Terrell. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, uh, we'll get to your calls next half hour. Hannity tonight at nine. We'll continue. All right. 25 to the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program. Now, we brought back uh, In-N-Out Burgers for Linda because she wasn't on our trip yesterday. Aren't, did you get to eat yours yet? You know, I was there with you in spirit, Sean, so I, I, I'm so <laughs> you, full you, you, from the experience. Yeah, well, if, 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 if it were possible, and it's not, if it were possible to get one to Liam and sneak it to him, I would do it in a heartbeat. First I of bet, all, you guys got lettuce wraps. Like, I can't you know, get him to eat like anything green. a helicopter green. mom, you know, tiger mom that, you know, if somebody were to give your kid a piece of candy, you'd be like, what are you, he, all he right. doesn't need First of garbage. all, I am not that bad. My son went trick or treating. He eats lots of candy. He's a he's got such What's a sweet. What's his favorite tooth. candy? Um, he's a big fan of Starbursts. Love Starbursts, and he's he's actually a huge fan of fruit. We eat a lot of fruit, so that's good. 
You, they, no, he doesn't. You may, That's what all you offer. No, I swear. When I was pregnant with Liam, and everyone yeah. in the studio can attest to this. You were eating I, candy. I was No. There. I ate bags of oranges. Bags a day. So that's why he loves oranges. Yes. Because you ate them when you, you were pregnant. Uh, because he wanted them, and that's why I ate them. <laughs> I had no choice in what was I was he eating. communicating from the womb? Mom, Listen, I want oranges, please. Any pregnant woman will tell you you do not have authority over your own appetite when you're pregnant. Well, but the funny thing is, if he really was communicating during the pregnancy, I think he would have started screaming, stop putting this disgusting green puke vomit bile in in your stomach. It's disgusting. All right. So I'll share a a disgusting story with you. Are you ready? I love disgusting. It's going to be great. It's wonderful for radio. So when I was pregnant, I was like maybe four months pregnant, five months pregnant, still taking the subway every day. I took the subway right up to the end. And I stopped at a juice place and I got a green juice, a healthy green juice, apples and kale and the like. Okay, fine. I take my juice. I walk to the subway. I get on. I'm on my way to the studio. I take a sip and I have to be sick, like immediately. So I get on the subway at 23rd Street. I get off the subway at 34th Street. Priceless. Oh, it's gross. Go over to the platform, throw up in the trash can on the platform just in time to get back on the subway. I get to Forty oh, Second so Street. Got off the subway. Got off the subway. Open, doors puke, open. And then you got back on get the back subway on. with puke breath. No, first, first of all, no one's close enough to a pregnant person anyway. My stomach's out to you know Timbuktu. Oh my gosh! Get back off at Forty Second Street. Throw up again. Oh my gosh! They think back on. Must be thinking, what did she drink? All oh day? my god! Such a disaster. And it was the winter time because I he was a summer baby, so I still had my big jacket on. So who knows what they thought? But anyways. He definitely was not a fan of the green juice. So for that point, I to- see, I, I, I give you, you credit on that one. Okay, and the same with the orange puke bile vomit that you drink too. It's disgusting. It's not bile vomit. It's it, just okay. a juice. I, it, it, I look at the stuff that you drink that you tell this me. This from a man who sucks salt off pretzel years. rods and puts them back in the to- container. Are you kidding me? If Hello? ten more years is a consequence of having to drink that crap. That vomit, that bile, I'm not doing it. If I can live 10 more years and irritate you just a little longer, it's worth every single sip. Okay, so you're, but the odds are, I'm older than you, that you're going to live, you're, by and you're a You're carrier. too crotchety. You're going to live forever. No, no, no. No, crot- no, you are a carrier. You give high blood pressure. <laughs> I'm a carrier. You're, you're a carrier. And, you know, and then everyone else around you. Is you like, sure it's not all the fast the food you're eating? What's that? Sure, it's not all the fast food you're eating. It's me. I, you know, I make it sound like I'm eating all this fast food. I don't eat all this fast food because I can't. Uh-huh. Your metabolism when you get get older slows down. Yeah, but you and work out all the time, so you're I, fine. I work out. I work out an hour and a half a day. So there you go. All right, let's get to our busy phones here. Eight hundred nine four one Sean. If you want to be a part of the program. All right, let's say hi to Corey's in Louisiana. Hey, Corey, how are you? Hey, Sean, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call, and thanks for what you do every day, giving us a voice out there. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you, my friend. Um, what I'm calling about is the whole, I guess, mask and what, 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 it, what it does, doesn't do in schools. And We're in southwest Louisiana. We went through two huge hurricanes, pretty much destroyed our schools and We've been in school since August. The only time they haven't been in school is when the hurricane hit for about a month. We had to be out of school because of the power issues. And 
you know, all these people coming in from around the country to help us rebuild our homes, you know, redo, rebuild Lake Charles and the surrounding area, we have not had this huge outbreak of the virus. Um, it's just amazing that, you know, if if we believe the science, they say, then that, that's what should have happened. We should have had this huge explosion of the virus, and we haven't. Um, and my, my wife's a school teacher. My son's obviously in school, and they early on, they, they, they you know, adhered to the mask mandate, and they had a few incidences where they had to do contact tracing, miss school, quarantine people. But we've been in school except for the hurricane since August, and we haven't had any major, major issues whatsoever. Most kids, and again, there are exceptions, and when I say this, I'm just saying overall, the people most at danger, that was one thing they got right, older people, people compromised immune systems, comorbidities, uh, older people, you know, with pre-existing conditions. They they have been the most vulnerable you know, it, it's sad because a lot of politics got involved in the science of COVID-19. And as a result, um, I think Dr. Oz said it perfectly when he said, when science and politics intersect, politics is going to win. And it yeah. prevented a lot of people from raising even legitimate questions. Look, if you actually do what I'm suggesting, research on your own. I mean, you could use any search engine that you're comfortable using. There's there is so much information out there and you could read directly from the pharmaceutical companies. You can read directly from the clinical trials that took place and you can get as little or as as much information on the vaccines, on the virus as you'd ever want to know. It's all out there. Then, of course, everybody, I would assume, has a doctor or doctors mm-hmm. And I assume you go to your doctor because you like your doctor, you trust your doctor, and they know your medical condition, your private history. And then you you talk to your doctor. You maybe say, well, I read this. I read that. What are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on that? And then you've got to make the decision as an adult on your own. And parents will have to make it for their kids if they think their kids should be vaccinated. That's going to be up to them. You know, the idea that, that everybody feels free now to just tell everyone else how to live their lives is a little bit chilling to me. And it's a little bit risky because there are people that have very unique medical conditions that we don't know about and that there's a lot of nuance to things. And that's got to be factored into anybody's decision. There's broad sweeping. Everybody get the vaccination. It's not something I feel comfortable telling people to do. And honestly, I was I'm, I'm totally not an anti-vaxxer at all. Just the opposite. I believe in science. I'm a big believer. I've read more about the Moderna, Pfizer, the, the newer version of a vaccine versus Johnson and Johnson, which is sort of the old style way that vaccines are produced. Uh, than I care to even express on this program. And and I I would have gladly shared on the program where I stood until everyone started insisting that I must. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need to do that because I believe in medical privacy also. And and that's medical privacy for every American. You know, it's it's sad that everyone feels like they have a right to tell everybody what to do to me. But God, and we and we did our part because my mom, my mother was diagnosed with lung cancer during this whole 
mess and we you know we stayed away from her she stayed away they stayed home did what did what they had to do and my dad even got the virus and he got the infusion and they, him and my mom were able to stay away from each other she never contracted the virus and today well just after christmas they were they found out that she was completely cancer free so well, thank uh, god but we've been affected we've been affected by it so it's not like we we're just ignoring you know the precautions we do take precautions but it's not Completely, people would be amazed at the way we live out here in Southwest Louisiana. We're, we're real rural and just, just. I mean, it's been open since since day one. We took, you know, during the summer. Listen, little, in California, they didn't have in the room I was staying a menu. I got, we, you know, we got in really late in, you know, yeah. in the morning on on basically Thursday, uh, Wednesday morning. Got in really, really late. And anyway, they had 24-hour room service, and I'm looking around the room, and I can't find a, a you know, menu, what you can order, you know, for in-room dining, and I can't find it. And then they, I called down, they said, well, it's not in there. And I said, okay, can you just have somebody set one up? And they said, no. I said, why? They said, because of the pandemic. There's a pandemic going on. I said, I'm very aware there's a pandemic going on. Um I said, if you're afraid that maybe somebody that was here the night before could have potentially had coronavirus, I assumed you cleaned the room. I assume you could print out another copy of the menu or just text me a copy. I'll take anything I can get my hands on. Took an hour to get a copy. And by that time, I was too tired to eat. Anyway, thanks. Thanks so much for the call. We appreciate it. Uh, 800-941-SEAN. You want to join us? Bob, Connecticut. What's up, Bob? Or it's Rob, rather. I'm sorry. Rob, how are you? Hey, okay, good. How are you, Sean? I'm good, sir. Uh, uh, if I could say, first off, you know, I was raised left-leaning, and I've thought that way for most of my life, but recently I had a massive event take place in my life that totally changed my outlook and allowed me to see just how correct you've been the whole time. Well, that's interesting. I mean, when you were more left of center or liberal, I mean, you'd listen to me, when you used to listen to me when you thought that way, did you get aggravated? Did you get annoyed, frustrated, angry? What? Uh, every once in a while, I get a little aggravated, but do you want to know what the one event that completely changed my mind about sure. you? I'd love to know. I was kicked in the head by a horse. Yeah. <laughs> so it knocked some common sense into you. How did, how did that impact your political thinking? I mean, in all seriousness, you're one of the worst people ever to walk the earth, and you've just created generational shame for your entire family. Well, if you wanted to do the whole lead up into this, why don't you just come on the program? Why do you feel you have to be dishonest? If you want to say I suck, why don't you just come on the air and say, Hannah, do you suck? Go ahead. Say it. I was kicked in the head by a horse. Okay. Is is that supposed to be funny? Because nobody's laughing. Hello. You know, I love these hit and run callers. I'm perfectly fine if somebody wants to call and, and, and kick the crap out of me. Go right ahead. It doesn't impact me. I don't care what you think. Uh, I care about the country. I care about my audience that actually likes me. But I'll tell you one thing. I love that horse. That horse yes. has very good judgment. <laughs> a what wonderful a animal. And the next thing, it's going to be uh, Hannity influences horse to kick a liberal. I mean, it's insane. I, the, the, here's the funny part, right? So th- this is this is what actually just happened. Liberals are not interested in having a discourse, a conversation where you can go back and forth with differing opinions. 
And since they're not open to it, they just assume everybody thinks in their closed-minded way. And so they approach every situation shady instead of being forthright because they don't have the cojones to actually come on the air and say what they think and then have the facts to back it up because the facts are non-existent. entire hours only with people that disagree with me. Yes, you have. You know, and I'm like, if you don't have to lie and say, oh, I really love Sean. Can you put me on the air? I agree with him. I want to ask him a question about this. You don't have to do that. Just Sean, say, I spent I whole days. Tell, I want to tell him why. I spent whole days on this show when I was a call screener. When I first started. Right. And I would literally say I'm looking for a liberal because you wanted to have the other side have their voice heard. And then when I would right. get somebody that disagreed, they would say. Wait, what did you say? I'm like, oh, yeah, we want to hear both sides. Absolutely. Then they'd bail out. And then they'd be like, I don't understand what's happening. I'm like, yeah, it's not it's not a trick. It's just a regular <laughs> thing. We're just asking a question because they're so used to being so underhanded. It's very unfortunate. You don't have to lie. Just just call in. Maybe we'll do a call. Maybe we'll do a segment this week on. Maybe we'll do an hour tomorrow. Just liberals only. No, no. no. First of all, I don't have all it right, in all me. Right, I get it. whatever. Neither does Listen, the audience. Mother's Day is going to wrap things up for today. Hannity, nine Eastern tonight on Fox. Uh, Mark Meadows, Newt Gingrich, Lindsey Graham, Ron DeSantis, Sarah Carter, Lara Logan, Dan Bongino, much more, uh, and including. New border footage that the mob, the media won't show you because there's no crisis at the border, according to them. More fallout from our interview with Caitlyn Jenner. Also tonight, we're going to get into the issue of, okay, this is what they told us about the vaccine. And this is what the new reality is that, yeah, not so fast. Life isn't going to get back to normal the way we told you it would. And my question is why? And when people say they're anti-vaxxers, you're undermining the vaccine. The only people doing that are the people that are saying, yeah, get the vaccine and then you better keep wearing your mask. Why don't we get the science? Where's the science behind it? Because that's where they told us to look at the science. Anyway, 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox, set your DVR on the Fox News Channel. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.